Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Here we go. We're in actually our fourth installment on our series, Building a Great Life. We're going to pick right up. And today we're going to talk about building a great family. We've been looking at different parts of our life and looking into our Bible, which is the blueprints to build upon. And you need to follow them. I don't know how many times I put things together and thought I could figure it out and end up with extra stuff and it doesn't quite work the way it should. It will not work the way it should until you follow the instructions. And God is the divine designer, the architect. He set some instructions in our hands, blueprints, the scripture for us to follow. Matthew 7 talks about, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine or these instructions and puts them into practice, follows them, does what you're supposed to do. Like a wise man who built his house on the rock, the rain came, streams rose, winds blew, beat against the house, and it did not fall. It will not fall because it has its foundation on the rock. So we want to be wise in building a great life, building a great family. We want to be wise, and in order to be wise, you have to do or follow the instructions. You have to do what it says. That is the only way for a sure foundation. Let me say this. There's a lot of things, especially on the subjects we're addressing in this series that you get a lot of self-help stuff for. I mean, it could be the experts say this, or psychologists say this, or or family studies say this, and those are great things, and I have no problem with that stuff, and I, I read that stuff as well. But listen, the word is the only foundation that will stand the test of time. So, I mean, it's great to listen to all these other things, but if that does not support the word, then don't listen to it. So we have to build on the word. If we don't, here's the alternative. But everyone who hears the words and does not put them into practice, so you can hear the greatest messages ever, greatest material ever on building a great family, but if you don't do it, it's not gonna do you any good. Or if you don't do it the way it's supposed to be done, if you hear them, don't do them, you're foolish, you built your house on the sand or an unstable foundation, so when the storms come, and they will, then your house will not stand, your family will not stand. So let's take a look at some instruction in the word on building a great family. Now, this message is not just for the benefit of those who are family units, But it's for everybody, as all the word is. There are principles to apply to every one of our lives, despite what our family dynamic looks like. And so I want to encourage you, don't check out on me because we're talking about families. And and perhaps this morning, some might, just because we're emphasizing parenting. And if you're not a parent, so to speak, right now, there's principles to apply to your life because the word is alive and relevant. Amen? And can I tell you that's all the more real for Jessamine and I since we just saw the living word over in Israel. It will always be alive and relevant to your life. So don't check out on me. There's things that we can all apply here. Now we're talking about family and we're gonna emphasize a little bit on parenting and understand things change. We have a 17-year-old. She turned 17 in May. We're soon to have a 16-year-old in August. And a lot has changed since they were born. And believe me, I was listening to a, a message I'd preached a long time ago on a particular topic, and, and I was talking about my girls, and, and they always do, and they don't love being the subject matter of, of sermon illustrations, but, and I was talking about my oldest being eight, <laughs> and now she's 17, and so things are a lot different. Uh, culture's a lot different, uh, technology's a lot different. We didn't have all the distractions, all the things from smartphones to all the TVs or whatever we have now back then, so things look different, things change. You know that to be true if you've had kids or grandkids that things change very quickly, even from child to child. And ours are about 15 months apart. But from the time we started parenting one, things have changed and different uh, challenges for the next one. Um, 
and you know, it's interesting in thinking about not just how, what changes around you, but how you change. So I remember with Callie, we took like a million pictures. You know, you're firstborn, right? You take a million pictures. Jessamy was into scrapbooking. So she made a scrapbook for my mom, for Jessamy's mom, for my grandma, her grandma. Everybody got a scrapbook of Callie. And that was a lot of work. When Cameron was born, she made just one and let him borrow it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, I'm sorry. And we don't love Camry any less, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, it's like, come on, things change, right? As you have more kids and stuff, it's like, wow. And so things change as you have kids. And, and I came across this, I thought it was really funny. And let me give a disclaimer. It was written by a woman. And so please don't get upset with me. I'm just gonna read it uh, as it is. Uh, but I think it's kind of funny, again, kind of addressing the idea of how things change with kids. This is how your life changes with each child. And ladies, let me know, especially if this first one is true. It's concerning maternity clothes. And so it says this, with your first baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as you uh, confirm your pregnancy, right? You can go out and start getting ready. You're excited. Uh, with your second baby, you wear your regular clothes as long as possible. And then she wrote, with your third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. I mean, it's just like, I'm not sure what, I don't, I don't know what that means. Okay. Here's what she wrote about uh, when it's time to leave your child with a sitter for the first time. Remember that? That's a crazy time. So going out for the first time or leaving your child with a sitter for the first time, the first baby, you call home every five minutes to check on them. The second baby, just before you walk out, you remember to leave a number where you can be reached. And with your third baby, you leave instructions for the sitter to call only if she sees blood. <laughs> That's it. Otherwise, don't disturb me. Uh, this was funny. She wrote this, and this is on swallowing coins. This is so funny to me because I have a nephew, one of my sister's kids, that, that was a big ordeal with a coin being swallowed. And so with your first child, you rush the child immediately to the hospital for x-rays. With your second child, you carefully watch for the coin to pass. That's interesting, right? And with your third child, you deduct it from their allowance. I mean, it's, just, it's not a piggy bank. What's going on here? <clears throat> so things change. But can I tell you the word change is not? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So these principles, I'm gonna give you five principles, five essentials for building a great family. If you will apply these like we just discussed, as a wise person does, you'll find a strong foundation for your family. And can I say that this world, especially in our country, we need strong families. You know, not to refer everything back to our time in Israel, but what is amazing to us, we saw that's where the beginning of time began. And so you see so many layers upon layers of empires upon empires over 4,000 years of empires rising and falling, but yet everything is this, the way it happens is the same. The, deter, the family deteriorates and then an empire falls. And so I, if we're honest, we could say in America today, the family's under huge attack and it's deteriorating. And we can see that as a country as a whole. And even the perspective of other countries of America, it's not what it used to be. And if you will talk that through a little bit, I think it's, it's, it's referenced back to where we are as if family units and how they're being different today than they were. And so we need to be mindful of that. Uh, this, this is biblical wisdom uh, for today from the scripture that you just need to apply it. Proverbs 24, three says this, by wisdom is a house built and through understanding it is established. Let's read that in the Amplified. I like how the Amplified, through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a home, a family built. And by understanding it is established on a solid and good foundation. And what that literally means, we're talking about wisdom here. That's wisdom beyond our own natural knowledge. That's not training and equipping. When the Bible talks about wisdom here, we, we know the scripture says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So we know it's talking about something divine. So you have to engage God and get wisdom from above in today's world and any time that you live life uh, for not only your family, but your marriage and parenting and your finances, those things. And understanding that word understanding when it's used here really is talking about effort applied to these truths. So taking something divine from heaven, like the scripture, and applying them, exerting effort in your marriage, in your finances, in your parenting, in your relationships is what we need to do. And so let me give you five principles to build a great family. Number one, your starting point is always this, authentic faith, authentic faith. And looking at all kinds of materials and setting things out about families over the years and getting ready for this one, you find some common threads, common principles. One is always authentic faith. You, this is the most important thing for, for a believer, for anybody. Now, if I say authentic faith, and I did, I'm implying that there's inauthentic faith. And let's just talk about that for a second. Do you realize there is inauthentic faith? Or let me say it this way. There are a lot of people who have not figured out yet that there's a whole lot more to God than Sundays. Or Wednesdays even. And really, we're not talking about you being someone of great faith is not just coming to church on Sundays. It's how you live your life outside these four walls right? There's a lot of people who think authentic faith then is uh, going to God in the midst of crisis. Their connection with God might be a Sunday or Wednesday or a crisis. I need you, God. I'm going to get close to you now. That's, that's inauthentic faith. We're, we're deceiving ourselves. We're, 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 we're being uh, deceived by the world thinking we don't have to connect with God outside of church. And we allow things to get in the way to do that. And you can't have authentic faith without a personal, growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And that transcends just your meeting times or your crisis in life that you reach out to God for. And so there are a lot of people who really aren't leaning on the power, the strength, the anointing, or the ability of God who's there available all the time. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And I just have to let you know, if you're just playing church, or let me say it this way, if you're just dating God, or you're just trying him out, then you're missing out on some incredible stuff. You're missing out on a relationship with the Holy Spirit where God speaks to you in the middle of your situation. You're missing out on the strength and a grace that just doesn't have to be on Sundays when you come up front for prayer or during a time of worship, but that you can have every day, every moment in every situation because of an authentic faith or a personal relationship, growing vibrant relationship. See, there's more to God than just religion. You can have a relationship that's real and authentic. And really that's our mission here at Tree. Our mission here at Tree is not just to give you great services, but we want to encourage you, inspire you, challenge you, motivate you to grow your relationship with God beyond this place. In fact, I hear this sometimes, I hear this people will say, well, I'm just not being fed. I'm going to go look to another church. Well, yeah, if you only ate once a week, you would starve, right? So we want to inspire you and encourage you, motivate you to grow that relationship outside your service times. That's really where you're going to get your authentic faith from. And you're going to experience God as he intended you to experience him. Our mission here is to connect families to the life, love, and power of God. Not just for services, but for everyday living for your life. We want to lead you where you can know him better and experience him. Get close to Jesus. Proverbs 14, 26, Living Bible. Reverence for God gives a man deep, listen, deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. So a, a vibrant, growing relationship with the Lord gives a man deep strength. And as an outflow of that, he provides refuge and security for his children. That's pretty awesome. Look at the benefits with your relationship, authentic faith with God. Your children are blessed, meaning your family is blessed. Joshua 24, 15. 
But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose from yourself this day who you'll serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Authentic faith in knowing Jesus. Number two, intentional schedules. Now this is an interesting one. It's one we don't want to talk about a lot, but this is a pretty powerful one. This is an absolute essential principle to building a great family. And can I say this? The families I know today, and we were on the trip with some people that were friends with my dad. I knew many of them, their names and who they were, where they pastored and ministries. And I never really engaged with them relationally. But being with them, I just was inspired and challenged in my own walk and our walk as a married couple and as a family. And all the things that we talk about and stuff, and I look at their families and, and to me, they're kind of models. One of the things that's always discussed, and when you get a bunch of pastors together, one thing that's always gonna be discussed is schedule. And intention, being intentional with your schedule, knowing what to say yes to and what to say no to. That seems very unspiritual, but let me tell you, it's very spiritual. If you think it's unspiritual, that's a deception of the enemy because he's trying to overwhelm you because here's what happens with an overwhelmed schedule. The first thing you're gonna eliminate is the spiritual part. I just don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to get my kids to youth group. I don't have time to get them to SBXP. I don't have time for all that. Listen, I'm telling you what, we need to be very intentional with our schedules. We need to guard the time we have, guard our family time. We need to create family time, pillow talk time where everybody's piled on the bed just talking about life. That's what the Bible says. When you walk along the road and when you sit by it and when you eat, those moments are invaluable to talk about scripture and talk about God and purpose and destiny. You know, want to know a major reason why families in America are the way they are today? then let me give you something from uh, Cornell University, a study they conducted. The average father in America spends seven minutes a day with his kids. That's less than one hour in a week. And that's just not being at home or riding in the car. That's not necessarily, you can take advantage of those, but you know what, being at home, at least in my house sometimes at home, we can be in different rooms. We're all texting each other stuff. Hey, what time are we leaving? We're texting each other, right? What time's dinner? And you know you're a busy family and stuff when you call the kids down for dinner. Hey kids, time to come eat, come on down for dinner. And they come down the stairs and go right out and get in the car. <laughs> right. right? What happened? We're, we need to make adjustments. We need to make adjustments. We have so many more distractions today, do we not? I mean, when it comes to video games and all the things, so, and those things aren't bad in themselves, but we need to do a better job of managing that, managing those with our families. And can I say this, and I don't, you may like or dislike this or what, and, and I'm a big sports guy. My kids were great athletes. We had some decisions to make at some point in time. When you got practices so many times and you're in two or three sports and then you got lessons and voice lessons and guitar lessons and you got church and church activities, again, the first thing usually to get cut to something church or spiritually related but I just want you to just take a moment at home with a family and just consider your schedule and we can count the costs on all those things. I'm not just talking about financial costs. There is something that's to be said about that, but count the costs with all that. And we have to be careful having uh, all our time filled with things. And here's why. Psalms 39.6 says this. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in Nothing. Nothing. We have to be very careful. There's wisdom from the scripture. Hey, you just might, you just might need to take a look at some things because all this busy rushing really ends in nothing. Here's the Bible's advice. Don't take my word, take the Bible's word. Ecclesiastes 4, 6 says this. Maybe so, but it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. Take the Bible's advice there. That's good biblical advice. Number three, discovering purpose. 
Three essential to build a great family, discovering purpose. This is a big one. This is a big one in my house. As I said, I got 17 and soon to be 16 year old. I have a 17 year old that's gonna be a senior in high school and people are asking, what are you gonna do? Where's on the trip? People, hey, what's your daughter gonna do? She's a senior this year. And we're praying about that. We've been praying about it and she's praying about that, seeing what God has. But we more than anything just want our kids to discover what God has for their life. And it's important to do that. And let me say this, you can't discover purpose without authentic faith. If you don't have a, a close relationship with the creator, how do you know what you're created to do? And then when you discover a purpose, it'll help you manage your time. Because hopefully then you'll spend time doing what you're created to do and you'll eliminate things that you weren't. When you know why you're here, you know what to say no to. And parents, you need to focus on your kids' unique thing that makes them them. I, I know you just want to pray and, and, and let God do that and God speak to them. And I hear, I hear that. I appreciate that. I appreciate my parents' input in my life. But parents, listen, you have a responsibility to help focus. You can recognize before maybe they will how they were wired and what God created them to do and to be. And you can help focus them on that. I'm not trying to tell my kids what to do, but I'm going to manage things round about them to put them in the best position to experience who God's created them to be. And, and that's, that's your job. Don't just leave it up to the school, testing, testing at the school, and they have this propensity for this, or this test says that they're skilled in this, or they should be this and that. Hey, I don't disagree with all that stuff, but listen to what the Spirit of God's telling you. Listen to what the Creator says He created your child for. And don't discount your ability to hear on their behalf, because you're still their spiritual and natural authority. And so take that place and take it very serious. Every kid is different. Even mine two being so close in age, 15 months apart, they're completely different. And every kid is good at something. And I tell my kids all the time, you don't have to be good at everything. You just have to be good at the thing you were created to do. And I just, I don't expect my kids to be valedictorians. If they do, that's great. If not, that's great. I just expect their best effort. But whatever we discover that they're good, God created them to do, then I expect them to be the best at that. Not everything. We, could, we put so much pressure on them on being good at everything. Give your best effort. Do things with excellence. Absolutely, that's a must. But listen, once we discover what God's created them to do, then we need to uh, help direct them in that. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I remember growing up and stuff, I wasn't the best student. I didn't make the best grades. And I worked, I worked hard at that. I was more interested in sports and things like that. But here's what I appreciate about my parents, especially, they recognized different gifts within me. I was a people person. I had a good sense of humor. I was always really positive. I, I was the glasses as half full as opposed to half empty and stuff. I was an encourager by nature. I'm just an encourager. And so I know that my parents helped direct me in those moments and put me in those environments where I could thrive and could grow. And so I think that when we recognize those things from our kids, we have to be intentional and purposeful and help guiding them in that. And so again, I appreciate how my parents managed that. They didn't say, you're gonna be in ministry because I was in ministry. In fact, both my parents, my mom and dad, different points in time told me, son, if there's ever anything else you ever thought you wanted to do, do it. <laughs> but yet God had a plan. And so they didn't try and get me in this, they, but they tried to create environments around me where my gifts could flourish and thrive. And then I could hear clearly from God. And so you wanna build a great family, help them discover their purpose. And let me say this, you might have to discover yours first. Because let's just be honest, we're talking about things that you need to model. Because we want our kids to excel. We want our kids to go beyond we ever went. But what are you doing with you, right? I mean, how are they seeing that in you? How are you modeling that for them? And so that's important for us to understand. But look what Paul said in Acts 20, 24. 
However, I consider myself, my, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim, what I should be about, my goal in life is to finish the race and complete the task to fulfill my call, to walk out my gifting that the Lord Jesus has given me. Paul's saying that's the most important thing in my life. And Paul was an extremely educated man. He had a lot of influence. But once he came to the Lord, had that experience on the Damascus Road with Jesus, and now he is sharing the gospel and planting churches, everything was directed to that. So everyone has a unique purpose, especially your kids. Help them discover that, but you need to model it alone, along with them. Parents, you're anointed. I don't say parents, you're anointed to do that. You're anointed to do. That's the same around here. We want you to discover what God's created to be. That's why we have the growth track. That's why the growth track is so important to us. We're going to keep letting you know about it. So in the growth track, we help you discover who God's created you to be so you can do what he's asked you to do. You need to know why you're here on the planet. That's the most important thing for you to know. There's something that God has called you to do. And when you find it and start doing it for his glory, it changes everything. And listen, parents, I want to caution you. You have to be careful about what you say. You have to be careful with your words. Ephesians 4, 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, according to their gifting, according to their call, according to their purpose, that it may benefit those who hear. So use your words to be careful with them and help them discover what God's created them to do and be. Mark 10, 16. Listen to this. Here's what Jesus did. And he took children in his arms and placed hands on them and blessed them. Now, this is an interesting picture here. We may have been at one of those, this place. But Jesus, when the children came and he had them come sit on his lap, he just didn't bless them like, bless you, my son. Bless you, my daughter. Bless you. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you. Bless all the little children of the world. <laughs> he didn't do that. Because in the Jewish culture, what blessing somebody meant that you were to give verbal statements or prophetic statements over their life. So you, as a parent, using the words of your mouth, wholesome talk to build them up. Every day, you should be speaking the blessings of God over their life. Every day, verbal statements should come out of your mouth. You're, you're, gonna, you're the head and not the tail. You might change that a little bit in terms they can understand. You're an overcomer. You had the favor of God on you today. You're going to do great because you have the mind of Christ. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Verbal statements over their lives. I, I don't do this so much anymore. I'm really convicted with this part of the message, um, that they're 16 and 17. Uh, but I used to, when they were little, I'd put them to bed. I'd go in their room when they were asleep. Now I go to bed, they put me to bed. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It's got to change. <laughs> but I get up early in the morning. I can go in their room. I need to go in their room when they're still sleeping and speak this over there. I used to do that when they were little at night before I'd go to bed. And just speak that, you don't have to creep them out or whatever, but speak that over their lives. Come on, you have the anointing and power, parents, to do that. Use it. Number four, principle, this one is, this one's huge. This one's huge. They're all big, but this one's huge. Right relationships, right relationships, as if to say they're wrong ones. And guess what? There are wrong ones, and we all know that. We all know they're wrong ones, but I don't know that we manage them right. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think sometimes we're, we're a little too tolerant in some things. And I don't mean to be ugly or rude at any point in time, but I think we allow some things. We compromise. Right, right relationships are extremely important. I've been in ministry since I graduated Rama in 92, came on staff in June of 92. Been here a long time. I started out in youth ministry and now I'm the senior pastor. I've, I've ministered to a lot of families. I've been with a lot of people, kids, parents. And here's what I know, that every one of us, we are all the sum total of all our relationships. 
Whether you would like to agree with that or not, we are all the sum total of all our relationships, good or bad, we are who we are because of the people in our lives. And so my dad used to say this all the time, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It's the truth. And I'll say, show me your kids or who your kids are hanging out with and I'll tell you what's gonna happen in their life. It's critical. And this is why we place a great emphasis here on small groups or life groups. You have to build right relationships. You have to be around people that are gonna encourage you, pray for you, point you to the word, uh, help you when things are tough, point you to Jesus. You need people that are gonna stand with you and support you. You need that and help you find your destiny towards God or in God. And your kids are no different. And so can I say modeling? You need to model this. If you're telling your kids, don't hang out with that person, don't hang out with that person, well, check down your relationships in your life. Because when you got a 16 and 17 year old, there's no fool in them. If I'm telling them one thing, they're gonna see it in my own life, the people I hang out with. And so listen, you gotta model this. We all want our kids to go, I just want my kids to love Jesus. I want my kids to follow God's plan. I want my kids to go further than the things of God than I've ever gone. Well, guess what? They're not gonna go in, you know, if you don't model it for them, they're going nowhere. Right, I said this before, we went go to church kids, but we're stay-at-home parents. You have to model it. I mean, that sounds hard or whatever, but that's the reality. That's the truth. And so we need to make sure that we're modeling that in our own life. Best decisions we make in life are relationship ones. Proverbs 13, 20 says this. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffer harm. A companion of fools. Let me, let me say it this way. <clears throat> a companion of fools go to jail. <laughs> a companion of fools do drugs. A companion of fools has premarital sex. Talking about building a great family, can I just be honest with you on that? It's important. Our relationships, our kids are important. Can I tell you this? We're pretty strict at my house. We are, over my daughters. And I know I've hurt and offended people and, and I, don't, I won't apologize for that because I'm talking about my kids. And I just want you to know that you have a responsibility, parents, to know who your kids are hanging out with. And can I just say this? And I'm just gonna, I didn't say this first service, I'll say it here. I'm gonna say this because I'm on a roll. Uh, <laughs> and I just got back and you loved me and missed me. Um, <laughs> I've hurt and offended people. There's church kids I won't let my kids hang out with. And I, I don't, I'm sorry. I, I'm just, those are my kids. Oh, would we have standards that we protect our kids? Our kids don't know any better. They think they do, but they don't. And so we got to model that. And, I, and you don't compromise your rules. Don't compromise your, you don't have to be ugly rude about it. But you listen, we're talking about our kids. We're talking about building a great family, right? That's what we're talking about. So we monitor our daughter's friends very closely. We monitor the interaction with boys very, very closely. Drives my kids up the wall, but we're not gonna let up on it. So we're talking about building great families. Second Corinthians 6.14 says this, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? None. There is none. Can I say this? I say this, no missionary dating. Come on, ladies. You're not gonna change him. He's not gonna change for you. He's gonna change for you to be with you and then he's gonna go right back to where he was. I'm sorry, that's the way it is. That's not your job. I just wanna get him saved. Great, pray for the laborers to be sent across their path in Jesus' name. But don't build a friendship relationship with that. Parents, come on, those are your kids. Don't let the world raise your kids. Don't let culture, society, movies, TV, don't let them raise your kids. Stand up, be that person. Let me give you this last one. I gotta move on, I can feel it. I'm gonna need to move on right now, okay. All right, number five, amazing grace. That's what I'm asking for, amazing grace. You know why it's called amazing? Because it makes no sense. 
He didn't just give us grace, but he gave us amazing grace. He took all the stuff we did, all the stuff we'll do, and he still forgives us. Who does that? No one but God. Relationships are the same. There is not a relationship on earth that it won't take grace to stay in. You will never have a relationship on this earth that it will not take grace to stay in. Why? There are no perfect people. You're not perfect, they're not perfect. There's not a perfect spouse, there's not a perfect kid, there's not a perfect parent. Relationships are hard. No one is perfect. I can't hold people to perfection. Kids, you cannot hold your parents to perfection. Parents, you cannot hold your kids to perfection. Spouses, you cannot hold your spouse to perfection. Thank God for his grace. I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know it is. I recognize that my kids are gonna mess up. I messed up. My kids will blow it. I've blown it. But when they do, they need to know that I love them. And there's nothing they can do to change that. Oh, we're absolutely gonna talk about what happened. Don't get me wrong. But they need to know that I love them and there's nothing they can do. All that shows me is they, all the more they need me. All the more they need me. It takes grace. Every relationship takes grace and you have to realize the devil is trying to destroy your relationships. He's trying to destroy the relationships by by giving us opportunities to walk in less grace than we should. Because when we walk in less grace with people, we don't want anything to do with them. We're critical. Mark 3.25 says this. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Everybody in that house needs to tap into the amazing grace of God. Kids, you need to tap into grace with your parents. Parents, tap into grace with your kids, spouses, with each other. Because the enemy wants to divide the house because a house divided will fall. It happens in homes and it happens in nations. So goes the home, so goes the country. So we have to work all the more harder to be people of amazing grace. You want to build a great family? You need to be a great family of amazing grace. I know it's tough, but let me give you the word of the Lord. Ephesians 4.32, you ready? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here's the, here's the big part right here. You ready for this? Just as in Christ, God forgave you. I don't think you were ready for that one. We have to forgive just as Jesus Christ forgave us? Absolutely. I just don't know what they did to me. No, I don't, but I know what Jesus did for you. I, here's, here, here's the thing. Here's what I want you to know. You'll never have to forgive someone more than what Jesus forgave you. Never. You will never have to forgive someone more than what Jesus forgave you. Who are we? We cannot have a divided home. I, I want to close with this thought. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 5. I'm going to read verse 5, but 1 through 4 talk about the changing of seasons. There's a time to laugh, a time to cry, time to live, time to die. You know the song by the birds. But anyway, so uh, a time to scatter stones and listen. And then all of a sudden it changes. And it's saying all that stuff, a time for this, a time for that. Then it comes and says, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. It's such an interesting change right there. A time to gather stones and a time to scatter them. You know what they're really referring to the story of Jacob and Laban. Now, Jacob was needing a wife. And so uh, uh, he encountered a man named Laban that had daughters and he had to serve so many years to get one of his daughters as his wife. He did that and Laban gave him a different daughter. Then he had to serve more to get the one he wanted so many more years. And then he did, so Jacob, Jacob was frustrated and mad at his father-in-law and he had a right to be. Laban was a liar. Laban cheated him. Laban, Laban was mean. Laban just deceived him all the time. And so Jacob finally got fed up with it and said, I'm leaving. So he took his family, took everything he had and he left in the middle of the night. A couple days later, 
Laban founds out, realizes what happened, so he's furious. And so he loads up all his people and he goes after them. And Jacob knows that Laban's coming and Jacob's preparing for a fight and Laban comes ready to fight. The night before they're gonna have their encounter, the Lord visits Laban. And the Lord tells them this, don't do what's in your heart to do. Don't do it. And I wanna say to you this morning, I don't know what home is like, I don't know what marriage is like for you, I don't know what parenting, I don't know what like, but maybe you should just hold for a second and don't do what's in your heart and your mind to do right now. Because sometimes we, we, we operate out of emotion, we operate out of, you know, stones can hurt, but also here's what will happen. So God visits Laban in a dream and tells him, and here's what Laban's encounter now with Jacob. Come now, let us make a covenant. You and I, let, us, let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they took stones and piled them in a heap and they ate there by the heap. You know what happened? The same stones that could be used to hurt the offenses, the insults, the harm that can bring damage and real pain to something. Sometimes we need to stop for just a moment and don't do what's in our heart to do or our mind to do because of our hurts and offenses. And we need to take those same stones and we need to gather them. We need to pile them in an altar, pile them up and give them to the Lord. That's what they did. He said, Laban, don't do what's in your mind and heart to do. And all of a sudden, then they gathered these stones together and they built it and they released it unto the Lord. And I would say to you today, I don't know what hurts you have. I don't know what pain you've gone through. I don't know what your marriage is like. I don't know what's going on. And in your mind, you may have be set to do something drastic. And I just say, just wait. And just maybe, instead of throwing those stones, those insults, or those hurts, our kid, I'm done, I'm gone, I'm out of here. Maybe, just maybe. You could find within you through the power of the Holy Spirit the strength to gather those stones up and release them to the Lord. Because what happens when they built altars, it was an altar, this is you, God. This is where I encounter God. This is where I release this unto God. You heard some of that last week. This, this altar, God, I'm, I'm taking these hurts and I'm giving to you. I'm taking all these things and I'm not denying the reality of the pain. I'm not denying what happened in my relationships. I'm not denying what's happened in my home and my life, but I'm piling this up and I'm saying, I'm not gonna do what's in my mind to do. I'm gonna stop for a moment. I'm gonna release them to you and I'm gonna build an altar unto the Lord and let you have them, God. Because God is a good and faithful God. He's a good and faithful God. And that is how you build a great family. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.